SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents. It's the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. Oh, wow. how did yeah. I do? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need a soundboard or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Stefan Chin is Hello. here as usual to join us in a, a fun episode of SciShow Tangents. Yeah. What's your tagline? Uh, crispy feet. Sam Schultz is joining us as well. Good day. Sam, always working on graphics for SciShow, editing yeah. things, also editing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Thanks for doing that. You're welcome. I yeah. just do everything. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever is needs doing. Yeah. Until the day is over. Until my life is done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you put it all in context for us. What's uh, your tagline? No matter where you go, there you are. Oh, oh agreed. I'm mm-hmm. right here on this couch, mm-hmm. on the science couch with Sari Riley. Mm-hmm. I'm here. What's your tagline? Not a co-parent. 
Ah, oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Hank Green, and I'm such I'm so happy to be here with these people to talk about science this week. And my tagline is Tickle Nose. Every week here on Size Your Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and striving to destroy the other science factors. Would you like to know the scores? What we are the scores? We have a major development. We had a major Ooh. development oh, in that you're not in first anymore? Well, maybe. So... In last place, care to take a guess? Stefan Jim! Still me. <laughs> with 45 points. And okay. next, Sari with 46 points. After that, Sam, what? 51 points. And in first place, Hank with 52 points. Okay. okay. <laughs> so the spread has tightened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Getting, getting it's there. all about it's all about taking down Sam. <laughs> well you done no, it already. Now it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Eat the rich. Well, I'm just gonna invest it in the stock market. It's gonna appreciate Ooh. like crazy. Mm. We do everything we can to stay on topic here on Session Tangents. <laughs> but judging by the fact that I just said invest my Hank Bucks in the stock market, we won't be great at that. So if the rest of the team deems a tangent unworthy, we'll force you to give up one of your Hank Bucks. So tangent with care. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from Sam. Okay, nobody can look at me while I do Oh, nobody can look at Sam while he does it. I have to sing again. Hide behind your computers, everyone. Oh you have to sing it? Oh, yeah. I have to. You oh, make these choices, I know, Sam. I know. <laughs> but I thought of this one in the shower, and I could not do it. Okay. I'm melting away. All my molecules are now breaking free. New bonds are forming. Till there's nothing left but a puddle of me. Things with low pH, to my surprise, will donate some protons and melt my eyes. And now I, oh Lord, now I am a skeleton man. Sari, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what that is? I, no, I don't know that song. Come Sail Away by it's, Sticks. Yeah. Uh, about acids. Mm-hmm. Somebody got melted by acids Me, in a shower. I did. You it, were in the shower? No, no. I just thought of it in the shower. I thought, <laughs> oh. I, I thought I was like, what's my poem going to be? And then like an mm-hmm. angel whispered to me, I'm melting away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also I was looking up acids on Wikipedia and I don't even know what the hell they are. It's very confusing. Acids aren't that complicated, but I guess I maybe I'm better qualified to answer <laughs> this might. question. Then, Sari, an acid is something that that donates protons easily, and protons react with stuff. And so, like things that exist in a stable form, when you add a bunch of protons to the solution, they might prefer to be something else in the presence of those protons. And so, you get a bunch mm. of chemical reactions that happen, a bunch of acid-base mm. chemistry. So, if it's melting me, what's it's, it pulling out of me? It's no, it's it's <laughs> basically t- turning your complicated long-chain molecules into simpler breaking those molecules into little pieces. Okay. And that's and bad. Yeah. Yeah. All your proteins become not your proteins anymore. Another thing that's, there's strong acids and weak acids, which might be relevant to this discussion. Sure. So strong acids dissociate more completely in water. So like they donate more protons in whatever reaction while weak acids stay bound together a little bit more. So that's, I don't know. That's why strong acid will dissolve things more easily because mm. it itself dissolves. Comes apart more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for... 
Sari has prepared three science facts for education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is real, and the rest of us have to figure out, either by deduction or wild guess, which is the true fact. If we get it right, we get a Hank Buck. If we get it wrong, Sari gets that Hank Buck. Hit us with your fake facts. Formic acid, also known as methanoic mm. acid, is structurally very simple. It's just HCOOH, so carboxylic acid with a hydrogen. But it has a lot of uses by humans and in nature. For example, we synthesize it and incorporate it into livestock feed as a preservative, mm. but it's also the active component of some hymenoptera, which is the order with bees and ants and wasps, stings for attack and defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So which of these uses of formic acid is true in the animal kingdom? Number one, as an anti-venom or soothing smear, kind of like sunscreen. Oh. Number two, dissolving holes in bones to make nests. Or number three, to generate electricity through biochemical reactions. So number one, mm. topical anti-venom. Yeah. Number two, holding out some bones to make your nest inside. Mm-hmm. Or number three, generating electricity. I feel like making nests in bones, that seems like, sure, like somebody's got to yeah, make a yeah. nest in a bone. And formic acid seems like it'd do that job. Just like, right. And the nice thing up. about formic acid is like the simplest thing to synthesize for an animal. Oh. So easy to make. So it is something present when bees sting you? Is that what you said? Or So like not all hymenoptera, but a lot of stings okay. involve formic mm, acid okay. as a burn. Can I eat it? Does it taste good? I don't think it tastes good, but I think because we put it in animal feed as a preservative, right. at small concentrations, it can be like antibacterial. Right, and but, it's not necessarily like bad for me. Yes, it's not necessarily okay. bad, but high concentrations, it will dissolve you. Right. Okay. Oh, I think I got, feel like somebody's got to build a nest inside of a bone. I don't trust that one. I don't you don't trust. Why. I like no. that one. I feel good about that. Seems like it would be too much or something like too much fluid for them to make to melt the bone. Ah, they're yeah. tiny. Yeah, you need little, just little holes. Right. Yeah, and also yeah. bones yeah. aren't so dense, especially once you get inside. Yeah, you can make a little hole and then so light in air and then hang in the, hang out inside. Okay. Well, I'm not going with that one. Okay. <laughs> Topical anti venom. I guess like. If venoms are complicated, you sort of like hit them with some acid, it breaks it down. Huh. Makes sense. Is that how they work? I'm just saying it could work. But I don't know, like, why do you, like, who's spraying venom on people? Maybe. On the the outside. Usually venom's injected. Yeah, but there's there's exceptions to everything. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. In the animal kingdom. They just spread it on themselves and they're like, I'm going to be protected from you spitting your venom on me. Or it's like a frog or something. It's like, mm, oh, frog squirts it out. I want to know the answer. We have to guess. I, okay, yeah. find out the answer. I'm gonna go with the electricity one. Electricity one for Sam. I know too little. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the yeah. I don't condition. understand any of them. So yeah. I, I like the I. I'm going with Sam's too. I'm going with the electricity. Oh, wow, I'm going with bones. I'm gonna stick with Ooh. my first impulse. You're all wrong. No! No! This is my first Swept sweep. Again. Wow. Uh, yeah, so the anti-venom is the true one. Oh, what? Was it a frog? Fake. No. Oh. Is it an insect? Insects. They're mm. all, yeah, based on insects. So I'll do the two fake ones first. Oh, hit us. So the dissolving holes and bones to make nests. There are wasps that are of called... Course. The solitary wasps, they make a nest anywhere. Yeah, yeah they're called bonehouse wasps. Oh, yeah, they are. So they're very <laughs> cool. But they don't actually bury into bones. They just collect the bodies of dead ants oh. and, like, fill up their nests with them when they lay their larvae inside. They collect the bodies of dead ants. Yes. For... I think they... They don't kill them, officer. No, I just <laughs> found them. <laughs> 
but they don't eat them, which is what's weird. Yeah, and, it's like, um, like a bed out of them. Yeah, it's like a barricade. So it's oh. like in a zombie apocalypse, you like barricade with I don't know something. But what are they? Not the dead. Not the dead. So what are they keeping out? Parasites. Okay. So the barricade of dead ants, uh, according to studies, reduces parasitism. Sure. A lot. Ants are hard and they've yeah. got venom in them. Yeah. And they think the yeah, the formic acid of the ants act as a repellent to parasites mm. and predators. So it's uh. like, oh, I've got this acid barrier. Or it distracts them with the smell. It smells like ants instead right. of like gooey wasp babies, yeah. Yeah. which they might want are to Are they eat. just too freaked out? They don't want to mess with that. Yeah. Pile of Absolutely. dead Absolutely. You look at that and you're like, ah, ah that, guy's, that guy's crazy. <laughs> that guy's weird. <laughs> well, why they call them bonehouse wasps? I don't know. Ants don't even have they bones. Don't have a single bone. <laughs> What a terrible <laughs> There's name. not a single bone in that house. <laughs> they eat spiders. Uh, what What do you do for a living? Oh, I collect dead ants and eat spiders. <laughs> <laughs> and then the electricity one, that doesn't have to do with formic acid. There's just a species of wasp, uh, a hornet, that makes electricity through solar power. Wow. That is very neat. And so because it's in Hymenoptera, I just made it up. But they like produce electricity inside their exoskeletons. To do to, what with? So if, I, so if I bite them, I'm like, ow. Yeah, just very small amount. There are pigments in their tissues that trap light and then organelles probably and other tissues that generate electricity. And the researchers have no idea. They've measured that electricity gets Mm. produced, but they're not sure how the wasp uses this. When it doesn't make any sense, it's sexual selection. That's just how they look sexy. Such amplitude. (laughs) (laughs) And then the antivenom is the true one. The ants that use formic acid as an antivenom are called tawny crazy ants. And they use it to protect against fire ant bites. And so Mm. fire ants are an invasive species from South America, and they've sort of taken over. They're very hard to get rid of, um, and their bites hurt a lot because the alkaloids that are inside the venom are mostly piperidine, um, Mm. which is related to the pepper chemical ingredient oh, okay. oh. but there are also like just like proteins inside and that's what makes the bites burn so much mm-hmm. it's a spicy and, ant yeah it's, <laughs> it's a one spicy Yum. ant and tawny crazy ants are also an invasive species from south america so oh. scientists think they could have co-evolved they in some way other. yeah but they like spit up formic acid and then rub it all over themselves mm-hmm. after oh. they get bitten by the ant bites or like before somewhere mm. in the middle of this interaction and the ones that do that have almost like a zero percent rate of dying but without that like over 75 percent of them die so they they tested that by putting nail polish over their glands that spew out formic acid and so when their glands were covered up then the more ants died but and so it's like it's a cool thing because it's the the evolutionary arms race that everyone likes bringing up but also kind of a scary thing for people who are already being overrun by fire ants because now these like even more mm-hmm. intense ants are going and wiping out fire ant colonies and are like are they worse? They, I don't think they bite worse for human they they spew toxins too. So they're not great and they hide your babies. Form their nests in similar places, so yeah. like in houses in human structures oh, okay. where we don't necessarily want ants and they're harder to exterminate. So like the poisons that we're using on fire ants mm-hmm. aren't it's, working on the tawny crazy It's ants. wild mm-hmm. to me to think that like Florida now has worse ants yeah. <laughs> than when I was there. It's like, oh, you you thought fire ants were bad. Wait till you see tawny crazy ants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we call them crazy ants. Yeah, it's like we couldn't think of something worse than fire ants. And so yeah. it was just like, these ants, they're crazy. Well, at least they're not giant yet. You know what I've noticed is that like the big ants, it, it doesn't feel good when they bite you. I've been bit by some big ants. 
But like, it does not hurt the way that fire ants do. Those carpenter yeah. ant bites, like, yeah. they'll make you bleed. They got big enough mouth parts, but fire ant bites hurt so bad. Bullet ants are big, though. And they, they are big, bad. and yeah. they are the worst, apparently the worst of the stings. But they're not but here it, yet, are they? I don't think so. <laughs> I hope they don't make it to America. But luckily, we live in Montana, where ants won't be able to survive in the wintertime for at least another 20 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll have roaches, and then I'll have to oh, leave no, here, we'll have too. To roach. I'll keep going north until they can't get me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time for a short break, and then we'll be back with the Fact Off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Welcome back, everybody. Our Hank Buck total so far. I got nothing and I'm tied with Stefan. So you also got nothing. I was so confident, even though I knew nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's got one for the poem, and Sari swept the fact off. Bow, bow, bow. That's all right. <laughs> Underdog's coming back. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll pull you up with me, Yeah, Stephen. Sure. Don't, like, think about that during this next section where I am <laughs> in the fact off. We've got two panelists presenting facts, and the presentees each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that blows their mind the most. The person who's going to go first is the person who likes acetic acid the most how do you feel to, about vinegar eat? i don't you don't eat it at I, all because uh, that's like pickle juice you right? don't like pickles no i also don't Fuck like pickles. pickles i do sometimes <laughs> wash my hair with apple cider vinegar because they told oh, me to on queer eye i've heard about this oh. yeah what's it make it shiny or something it's like helps with dandruff oh okay yeah. i haven't sounds like research. you like vinegar the most <laughs> but you like salt, don't you like salt and vinegar potato chips i like Ooh. salt and vinegar potato chips do you I do. not really you don't like all vinegar right. at all right? i'm not really into vinegar all right as a cleaning agent sure <laughs> of course <laughs> obviously <laughs> outside the body not you know inside. all right i guess i'm gonna go first everybody i've got news from scientists who want to study the inside of your bodies from the inside of your bodies because if you want to know about the inside you can cut into there and look mm -hmm. but that's a pain and dangerous so ideally you want to look on the inside of somebody's body without cutting them open so if you want to learn about the inside of somebody's body you could just like make somebody swallow something mm -hmm. but then you have to have a battery inside of that thing so it can wirelessly transmit the information out and also do all of the recording and stuff. And batteries aren't the safest thing all of the time. So this is where a team of MIT scientists creating what they hope will be the next generation of medicine turned to an elementary school experiment. So a lot of you have probably made a lemon battery. 
Oh. Out there. I think I say a volcano with this baking soda. <laughs> <laughs> so you stick two electrodes, usually like a piece of zinc and a piece of copper, into a lemon and connect them with a wire, and you get electricity. This is a fun experiment we use to teach kids about electricity, but it is also the inspiration behind a set of ingestible sensors that are powered by our stomach acids. Because the thing about the lemon battery is that the lemon is important, but it is replaceable. The acid in the lemon oxidizes the zinc, which frees up an electron to move from the zinc to the copper, so from the zinc anode to the copper cathode. But you could just as easily accomplish this with someone's stomach acid. So instead of creating a whole device that's powered by a separate battery, the researchers took their ingestible sensors and attached zinc and copper electrodes to the surface. When the device enters the stomach, the acids surrounding it are able to drive the same reactions that a lemon does, creating a current between the electrodes and driving power to the sensor. When they tested these sensors out in pigs, they were able to get enough power to wirelessly transmit temperature data every 12 seconds for six days. Does it, how does it stay in your stomach? So it does move through the body. So it doesn't it's getting stay some in... different temperatures for six days. Yes, this is my question. Are you 98.6 degrees all over inside of you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I bet there are some areas of you that have different... I know that your testicles are lower temperature. Right. Yeah. That's a thing. They gotta be far away. Apparently, and I've always, this has always confused me. People are like, they have to be a lower temperature to make the sperm. And I'm like, well, then just do the enzymes differently. Yeah. Make it so that they can do it at a different temperature. Like, uh-huh. we- are you yelling this at your <laughs> testicles? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yelling this at like the science teacher who's like, that only works at a certain temperature. And I'm like, well, this is just make it work at a different temperature. Like, there are animals who operate at a lot of different temperatures. Yeah. yeah. Or just put them in a little bag. Well, I'd rather they be on the inside well, in a safe place. Sure. <laughs> you have to have some kind of vulnerability. Yeah. No. I don't. They are a little bit disposable. Like, you're not going to die. You won't pass anything on, but, like, <laughs> you won't I mean, die. Evolutionarily, in terms yeah. of passing on genes, like, not having your testicles is the same thing as dying. Well, sure, evolutionarily. But I'm, <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> okay, how do they stay in your stomach? They don't. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Because nothing stays in your body for six days unless right. you got some issues. That I I don't. It's pretty big, mm-hmm. like, like an inch and a half long. And I don't know if like these pigs just were not good at passing this Ooh. thing, or uh-huh. if they had some way of keeping it there. Sure. But once it moved into the small intestine, it was less acidic, and so mm. it didn't have as much power. But it was still able to transmit data. Is it other stuff it can transmit? Like, they just were testing it with temperature? They were testing temperature because okay. that's, like, an easy easy data point. So they could definitely do, like, pH for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, it's an easy thing to sense. Um, salinity would be fairly easy to sense in there. Could you map out, like, gut bacteria or something? <laughs> Maybe you have a little camera on there. Ooh. Yeah. Because they do that. They have swallowable cameras now. Yeah. So that was my fact. They can power sensors inside of people with their own stomach acid. Cool. Stefan. So in World War One. There was a shortage of bandages because the bandages were made of cotton, uh, which was also used for other things like uniforms and apparently explosives. And in general, on like these World War I battlefields, there's a lot of infected wounds. I assume partially because these are like dirty places, but also because people weren't getting the treatment they needed right away. So lots of nasty infected wound things happening and a shortage of bandages. So doctors and surgeons were trying out different things to try to like treat them, like dousing things in chlorine or formaldehyde 
which probably didn't yeah. turn out the best, but was maybe okay. You I don't try know. And, you gotta try something. Let's <laughs> just put some pool cleaner you know? on it. So the thing that they eventually landed on was using peat moss. Mm. Uh, and there was sort of an anecdote story about a soldier who, who had a limb wound and they knew that he wasn't going to be able to get to the hospital for like a week. So they just like packed a bunch of moss into his wound and like wrapped it up. And then when they got to the hospital, they thought they were going to like unwrap it and be like, well, we got to take the leg or whatever it was. But they unwrapped the wound and it was healed. Hmm. They were like, huh, that's interesting. So peat moss or sphagnum is a genus mm -hmm. of like 400 moss species that are found mostly in the Northern Hemisphere. And there's a couple things that make them super good for bandages, apparently. And one is that they're super absorbent um, because most of the cells in the moss and I, are dead. And hmm. I think that's most mosses that like they create all these cells and then they die. But they use the empty cells to store water. Instead of water, they can store blood. So it like can soak up a bunch. It's like super Whoa. absorbent. What? And also apparently peat moss was used by some Native Americans as like a diaper material. So they would uh, line their baby's cribs. Sure. Number one, super absorbent. Number two, the cell walls of the moss are charged. And so they end up absorbing certain ions and releasing hydrogen ions and that acidifies the environment around the plant. These mosses are super prevalent in like bogs and that's why you have like peat bogs and that's where we found a bunch of like human remains bog that are super man. the bog man yeah. who's super well preserved because that acidic environment is part of what helps prevent like bacteria from infiltrating these bogs and like decomposing that material. And so that also helps it disinfect wounds by creating this acidic environment in the wound. So they put out calls to like have volunteers collect all this stuff and they were like, put it in a bag and dance on it to get all the water out. Mm -hmm. And then they would process them and make actual bandages. So it wasn't just like stuffing plants into wounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they did, did that to some degree, but but they were actually like mass producing bandages made of, of moss that would like sort of be super absorbent and disinfect the wound. Mm. It's wild. Also, no one reacted when you said put it in a bag and dance <laughs> on it. <laughs> Which I feel like is like it's not a normal like, way to squeeze water out of things. Early 1900s yeah. instructions. Like that's like a wartime on, thing to do. Put it in a bag <laughs> and then like do a jig. It, it was like children back home oh. who were collecting oh, like I school see. children would go out on their lunches right. uh, and collect. collect moss. Do they make bandages now? based on So it moss? seems like this has been used probably for a thousand years to treat wounds, mm -hmm. but it was mm -hmm. sort of like used in ancient times and then was like fell out of popularity. Right. And then around the two world wars, sort of we rediscovered it and used it a bunch. But now we don't really. It's kind of labor intensive to go out and collect moss. And so it's, I don't think it's cost efficient, but also like peat bogs are and peat moss is kind of important for like right. biodiversity, for and like things. nature and, so like, and stuff. Yeah, we don't want to. Yeah. we don't want to harvest all that. But right. I guess more like my question was: Could they make a bandage that is slightly acidic and collected blood in the same way? And do they do that? Do you know? Not that I know. I of. invented it just now. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> Let the hospitals know. Yeah. <laughs> when I searched for this, the first thing that came up were menstrual pads. Also, that they made at like turn of the century mm. times. Uh, it's they're called sphagnikins because that's the worst thing that they could think of. <laughs> it really rolls like off the tongue. To make a pun? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but didn't get but bad. There. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it's uh, sphagnikins, and 
And on the cover of the Sphagnikins is a, a lady, <laughs> and it says, Sphagna Moss Girl. What? what? There she is. She's a, she's a nurse in the war. Ah. Maybe she was like dressing some wounds hmm. and she was like, actually, you know what I need right now? <laughs> I would like to revise my tagline to be Moss Girl, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like the energy of that. <laughs> she, she seems great. She does seem like she's got a lot going on for yeah, herself. Yeah, she's like living her best life. She went to medical school, is now a nurse, and then became a model. Oh. She saved a lot of lives, and yeah. now she's just a hot girl on the sanitary napkins package. Yeah. Honestly, I'm looking at it, it looks like she's seen some shit, which I'm sure she has. Yeah. <laughs> That's how everybody looked right around that time, probably. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm going to oh. give mine to Stefan because that was a beautiful story and I uh. just really enjoyed it. Mm. I'm also going to give mine to Stefan. Very good. I knew nothing about this moss. And the way that you described it as a lemon clock was very good because then I could clearly picture it in my mind. Mm. But then I was like, they're just swallowing a lemon clock. These scientists really yeah. phoned it in. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're going to invent a lemon clock inside your body. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one of their kids accidentally swallowed their lemon clock. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll work. I have yeah. a big paper due tomorrow. Might as well make it about this. <laughs> I bet I can get a grant for this. <laughs> really stressed out PhD student. Like, oh, what am I going to do with thesis on? And now it's time to ask the science couch where we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds who have been not on their A-game today, no. but Sam, ask me a question. At Bizdabeth asks, why is there acid in batteries? Uh, you know, so that... <laughs> Good start. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you got. Did you look at? This? I did look at oh, this up. Goodness. I did look this up. I just thought you might be able to help because battery electrochemistry is my worst. Kind I hated of it. Yeah, I'm very bad at it. I love to like the, inspire the confidence in the listener before I give an answer. <laughs> I hate electrons. Sari and I both hate electrons. We just yep. we wish they didn't exist. Mm -hmm. A battery, like the idea of a battery, is you store chemical energy and then it converts into electrical energy, but inside is chemicals, and that's electrochemistry in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Let's stop nut. right there. Yeah. <laughs> There's a positive electrode which is also called the cathode, which wants electrons. Mm -hmm. There's a negative electrode, which is an anode that gives up electrons. And then there's redox reactions that happen inside the batteries, which are reduction reactions, which mean a gain of electrons, and oxidation reactions, which are a release of electrons. My organic chemistry teacher taught me Leo the lion says grr. So like Leo is loss of electrons is oxidation. Grr is gain of electrons is reduction. Mm -hmm. Pro tip for anyone studying your <laughs> chemistry right now. So the cathode and the anode are separated by an electrolyte. And that is a solution or sometimes like a paste in a dry cell battery that has ions inside that can move around and let electrons move around so that when the cathode and anode are connected, like when a battery is plugged into a device to do work, electrons can flow. Mm -hmm. And that's electricity. Mm -hmm. And so in batteries that have acid inside that's the electrolyte but not right. all batteries have acid mm -hmm. so there are alkaline batteries like duracell and things like that alkaline means basic and so the solution inside is something like potassium hydroxide that's a basic mm. solution Still, as the electrolyte still fuck you up that. if you touch it though well, it's not yeah. great for okay. you. Yeah. But then there are batteries like lead acid batteries which is I think the first rechargeable battery um. that existed that used 
lead compounds as the cathode and anode, and then sulfuric acid was the electrolyte in that. Hmm. The electrolyte can vary, and so not all batteries have what's known colloquially as battery acid. But mm-hmm. when acid is in batteries, it's just like a conductor. Is it always an acid or a base? Does it have to be over or under a certain pH? Yeah. yeah like It, it, is it that has necessary? to be something that, that I think it does have to be an acid or a base. It has to be something that allows ions to move. So the thing that's moving through the wire that's powering the car or whatever, that's electrons. And so electrons can just move through wires, but ions can't move through wires. They're that's not mm-hmm. how it works. Too big. It's because they're too big. <laughs> okay. It's because because electrons like are a subatomic particle, uh-huh. whereas ions are a whole atom. Okay. Except that they're not an atom; they're an ion. If you want to yell at me about that, but please just understand. <laughs> trying to teach a complicated thing. They've got nucleuses and they've got electrons. They got like so they have to have a substance that they can move through. Because for every electron that goes through the wire. An ion has to move through your electrolyte. Still seems like magic. Basically, yeah. This is why I hate electrons because they're like... It's all all magic. All of it. The drungus, testicles, (laughs) everything. Acid-based chemistry. (laughs) The three things. Uh (laughs) That's the first three things they teach you at Hogwarts. Right. (laughs) The the three pillars of magic. Right. While you're on the train there, too. It's like, okay, guys, there's actually a lot of chemistry involved. All the wizard barns are teaching the muggles, so you have to know about the drungus. (laughs) You have to know about testicles. And you have to know about acid-based chemistry before you get to a thestral. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this whole episode, I've felt the feeling I haven't felt since high school where my brain just like clenches into a solid block where nothing can get into it's it. It's like, I don't want it. I don't want to know wanna. this. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's no. too many words. Battery work. That's all I need to know. If you, if you take nothing else away from this episode, it's not even about acids. It's electrons moving is electricity. Electron yeah. move. Battery work. Yeah. Yep. Sari, d- you worked really hard and you also won. So <laughs> yeah. it all turned out Woo. well for you. Stephanie, I love electrons. Two points, Sam with one, me with nothing, and, and Sari have three. So one of my up. favorite episodes we've ever done. <laughs> Sari and I got all the points. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, that's what matters. <laughs> If you like SciShow Tangents and you want to help us out, it's super easy to do that. You can leave us a review where you listen. That's very helpful. It helps us know what you like about the show. And we'll also be looking at iTunes reviews for topic ideas for future episodes. You can also tweet out your favorite moment from this episode, which I love it when I see those. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, tell, tell people about us. If you want to read more about any of today's topics, check out scishowtangents.org to find links to sources. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Crispy Feet. Stephen <laughs> Jin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the awesome team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Haruka Matsushima. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. In 2015, researchers looked at the poop of 15 participants in the Boston Marathon before and after the race. They found that after running, there were significantly more bacteria of the genus Vionella 
present in the poop. The researchers discovered this this bacteria eats lactate, which is the conjugate base of lactic mm. acid that builds up in the body during exercise. So apparently, according to PBS Nova, at least, lactic acid doesn't build up in your muscles when you're exercising, but lactate does. Okay. And it doesn't do what people thought, like, burn you. It okay. helps somehow. So they eat lactate and they excrete propionate which mm. is a compound that is thought to have positive effects on blood pressure and metabolism. So they injected mice with samples from these runners' poop. Whoa. And the mice that got injected could run 13% longer than the mice that didn't. But scientists uh, aren't sure if the exercise encouraged the growth or if the people were better at running because they just had this bacteria naturally growing uh, in them. Because oh. some people just seem to have more of it. I do not have this bacteria. <laughs> Put the poop in Stefan. Give yeah. me yeah. the poop. Send your poop to Stefan. We got a P.O. box for P.O. box. A P.O.O.P. box. 